There was plenty of swagger in the step of Avod and Fast providers at the Connected TV Ad Summit last week. And why not, when the flywheel effect looks to be spinning the industry to new heights? Listen on to find out why. Inside the Stream, our weekly podcast about all things streaming video. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and that was Colin Dixon at the beginning of the podcast from Endscreen Media. Hi, Colin. Hi, Will. Uh, are you here? You reach me from a hot and steamy California. We have our first heat uh, wave of the year, not in the nineties here today. Yeah, and you have been on the conference circuit this week, also, and of course you moderated at my conference last week. So you. You'll be forgiven if your voice is a little raspy. Yeah, I've been a busy bee. Uh, yeah, I was at the uh, Stream TV conference and at the Connected TV Summit, World Summit, um, in a UK conference, all in one week. So I've been up very early and uh, been talking a lot, as you say. Not to be confused with the Connected TV Advertising Summit, which was my event last week at which you moderated as well. That's exactly <laughs> right. And in fact, that is going to be the topic that we uh, focus on today because there was so much great information at the conference. But before we get there, let's do a couple of news stories that caught our eye. So what about you? What did you see? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what caught my eye in a big way this week was news from both NBC Universal and Disney about their very strong upfronts that they just uh, that they've already both finished up and NBC Universal head Jeff Shell said it was the strongest upfront probably in the history of NBC Universal and he pointed to um, really I think a little bit of a supply and demand thing going on. He said that um, he thinks that uh, the pandemic caused his, quote, three or four points of viewership to shift to non-advertising platforms like Netflix and Disney Plus and away from ad-supported platforms like broadcast and cable TV. So less supply of premium ad inventory leads to higher prices and advertisers, as he said, trying to find reach wherever they can get it. Meanwhile, Disney CEO Bob Chappick said that um, Disney had also finished up its upfront process, and he said that revenue grew, ad revenue grew by double digits from the level of 2019 pre-pandemic, and that 40% of sales during the upfront went to streaming or digital ads, so huge uh, win for Disney there, and I think we see from both of these results that the broadcast, the established media broadcast slash cable, are getting some wins on the board related to uh, streaming. Yeah, and I think it kind of makes sense, Will, particularly for NBCU, because uh, of course they've got the Olympics coming up, and that looks increasingly like it will happen, despite apparently the population of Japan would rather <laughs> it didn't. Uh, but uh, yeah, definitely the winds are at its back. So it's looked like it's got a bit of a recovery going on after such a terrible year last year. So how about you? What was on your radar this week? Well, there was a report from Omdia that the number of uh, subscription streaming and free streaming services 
the used on average by each US consumer actually declined in April. They say it went from 7.23 in November to 7.06 in April, which is a small decline. Uh, but, uh, you know, this I, I, I had to laugh, Will, because the they quoted one of the research analysts who was saying, uh, with this U.S. growth stumbling, many will be asking is if seven is the new ceiling for video streaming, uh, video streaming services, a uh, pay and free, uh, which I think is a little bit of a ridiculous statement. <laughs> I think it's just <laughs> simply a fact that we spent so much time at home and we probably watched more services than we do would have normally uh, last year. Um, what it neglects is the fact that, of course, uh, pay TV continues to lose subs. The multi-channel bundle continues to lose viewers. And I don't think that will change. I think it just is in a bit of a lull this year and uh, will continue to grow uh, as people leave the, the big bundle. So anyway, that, that, that certainly caught my eye as well. Fair enough. And I think it might be time for us to move on to our main topic this week. And I am going to take the lead on this one. I, again, last week was hosting the Connected TV Advertising Summit Virtual. We had 46 speakers on 14 different sessions, tons of insights from executives, from ad buyers and ad sellers, from content providers and tech providers and analysts and forecasters, and, and just really a, a golden opportunity for me personally to immerse myself further in the connected TV advertising ecosystem, which I follow very closely, but there's nothing like hearing it from people who are really on the front lines. And as the conference host and curator of all the sessions and questions, I was really up to my eyeballs in talking to these folks and listening and rewatching all of their um, commentary. And I just want to share one, what I think of as an overarching theme from the conference that really crystallized for me, and it's kind of coalescing from different pieces that I've thought about for some time now, but the idea that um, a connected TV advertising flywheel is here and that it's only going to accelerate going forward. So the flywheel concept, I think, is something that our listeners will be familiar with, the idea that you get these sort of interrelated elements of a business or industry that reinforce one another, and that creates more momentum for the whole entity, which then is accelerated. And Jeff Bezos has talked about the flywheel effect extensively with respect to video in the uh, Amazon Prime service. He famously quoted, his famous quote was that when we win a golden globe, it helps us sell more shoes, a classic quote from Jeff Bezos. But anyway, when I think about the CTV ad flywheel, I really think of three core components. And I'm just going to give a little bit of an overview, Colin, that I thought maybe we could dig into some of the details. But the start of the flywheel is really the enormous base of connected TV devices. Um, the second piece is the proliferation of ad-supported and hybrid paid uh, ad-supported streaming services with each one getting ever better content. And last but not least is the robustness of the connected TV ad monetization model itself and how this is driving more spending into the category. Um, so just to spend one minute on each one of those drivers and then again, maybe we can dig in. 
uh, at the CTV Ad Summit last week, Bruce Leishman from Leishman Research, who of course we both know very well, led off with his updated research finding that 82% of U.S. households now have a CTV device and that the mean number of CTV devices in those households is 4.1 devices. So incredibly, there are now more than 250 million more CTV devices in American homes than there are pay TV set-top boxes. So if you're an advertiser or a content uh, service, you can't help but look at that total, total addressable market and realize that that's where the action is today. The action is in directing your content toward and monetization toward streaming, uh, streaming devices, CTV devices. And that's, I think, really what's happening. It's also worth mentioning that over half, according to Bruce, over half of 18 to 34 year olds now watch CTV daily. Um, but among 55 plus year olds, only 22% watch daily, which means there's actually a big opportunity for penetration among an older cohort, the over 55. So you've got this huge base of CTV devices. And that has really all been driven by the SVOD providers. So uh, the free side of the business, the ad support business, is really riding on this gigantic deployed base of CTV devices that um, was driven by SVOD providers investing billions of dollars in original content. So you look at what Amazon, uh, what Netflix has invested in originals, Amazon, Hulu, the list goes on and on. And all these people ran out and got themselves a connected TV device, a smart TV or a stick or streaming box, SSB, as you say. And that created this gigantic total addressable market that now the AVOD and FAST providers can ride on top of. So they avoided the chicken and the egg uh, syndrome that is so common between services and devices, what we've seen before. So you think about like the mobile ecosystem App developers were really only able to get big success once the iPhone and Android had scaled up to a huge installed base. Prior to that, it was them basically creating apps, but waiting for there to be enough people who would be able to access them and, and you know actually make use of them. So at last week's uh, CTV Ad Summit, we heard from uh, folks like executives from uh, Crackle Plus and Tubi and a Networks, Bloomberg, Roku, and others that all talked about how um, they're excited about this gigantic base of CTV device households now and how they're essentially moving up the food chain by creating their own originals to differentiate themselves and drive even more viewership and loyalty and monetization. So that's the second part of the flywheel. And then the third part of the flywheel is what's happening with ad monetization itself. So it's, again, no secret that advertisers follow the eyeballs. That's an old adage, and that's certainly playing out in the linear TV space as people drop their pay TV subscriptions or don't subscribe in the first place, as linear TV viewership declines. Advertisers have no um, alternative but to follow those eyeballs to streaming because especially for younger viewers who have completely tuned out of linear TV, if you're trying to target that uh, cohort, you cannot just rely on linear at all. So some part of the $70 billion a year in linear TV 
is now peeling off to CTV and streaming, and even minor shifts when you've got a $70 billion pool, even a minor shift to CTV means major growth. But the thing is that that's not the only thing that's happening with CTV advertising. And this was a point that Mike Law, who is the president of Amplify Dentsu, made last week at the conference, something that Laura Martin at Needham & Company also spoke to, which is the idea that CTV brings together the best of what traditional TV was all about, the reach and brand building that traditional TV gave advertisers, combined with the best of what digital has always offered uh, marketers and advertisers, which is the precise targeting, the campaign optimization, the attribution, uh, all of these attributes that has, of course, driven the Google-Facebook uh, duopoly and has allowed mid and lower marketing funnel-oriented advertisers, so-called performance advertisers, um, to really get the best out of digital. Those advertisers are now being attracted to CTV as well. And Laura estimated that that pool of ad dollars could be about 60 billion in the US alone. And that is really still in early days because there's a lot of stuff that still needs to put in place, be put in place in terms of uh, measurement and frequency and all this other you know, stuff that came up many times in the sessions last week. But again, it's a big pool of money combined with the big pool of linear TV ad spending that's a lot of budget that CTV advertising can draw on. And it's no surprise, I think, as a result, that eMarketer uh, Insider Intelligence is forecasting analyst Eric Hagstrom last week presented his forecast for CTV advertising. And he sees it going from $13.5 billion in the U.S. in 2021 to over $27 billion in the U.S. alone by 2025, so over doubling in that four-year period. So lots of reasons to be bullish about CTV advertising. That is a mouthful, Colin. The sort of TLDR version, as I said in my post, is that there's a CTV ad flywheel that's already here. It's being driven by a large base of CTV households. This large base or total addressable market is attracting a huge amount of high-quality free ad-supported streaming content that is getting better and better, and that funding for this content, these services, is coming from a robust CTV ad model, which again is drawing on two gigantic pools of ad spending, linear TV and the mid to lower funnel performance-oriented budgets that have primarily been in the uh, digital realm. And all of this, I think, ultimately as the flywheel spins faster and faster is great news for viewers because it means that they're going to be served up with fewer, more relevant ads, in turn improving their experience and motivating them to watch even more ad-supported content. So uh, as you wrote about, and I know you want to talk about, this has sort of set off a competition for the lowest ad load bragging rights that we've seen among HBO Max, Peacock, Roku, and others. And you talked about that. You queried your panelists at uh, your session on Fast and AVOD at the CTV Ad Summit. And 
Um, you know, I know you're going to weigh in on that, but uh, all of that combined, Colin, makes me very optimistic about CTV advertising. That optimism was shared by a lot of the panelists at last week's CTV Ad Summit. And, you know, as I said, there are challenges, there are things that need to be worked on still. Uh, Rome isn't created in a day, built in a day, as the expression goes, but lots of reasons to be optimistic. So anyway, that's a lot. I'm going to shut up at this point. <laughs> well, you certainly covered a lot of ground, Will. And, and, and I've got to tell you, I, I can only echo what you said. Um, as, as we talked about at the beginning, I've actually been at two conferences this week. And with your conference last week and these conferences this week, I can only tell you that it is reflected both here in the U.S. and across the Atlantic in, in the U.K. and Europe. There's just tremendous swagger from the ad-supported, <laughs> the free ad-supported uh, providers that they're really in a moment. And as you say, you're calling it the flywheel, the virtuous flywheel. But I think we used to call it a virtuous cycle, didn't we? Before it the, can be that can be called that as well. Yes. Yeah, before the flywheel. <laughs> and that really it really does show that we are in that moment when all of those things that you mentioned have come together. I think the most important thing that all the device profusion has really created is a situation where viewers now are watching significant amounts of their viewing time on connected TV. And that means that when they want to, they want to break, they want to change, it is very, very easy for them to find quality ad-supported content. And uh, that is just drawing in a ton of cash, a ton of money uh, from advertisers, everything the tech is there now the um the services are there and the quality of the content is there and i think what one thing that really came came across to me very strongly will is that the ad supported providers are feeling so confident now in their growth that they are stepping up and they are creating uh, they are creating originals themselves um, you mentioned Crackle. I, I really enjoyed listening to Darren Oliver on the great transition uh, uh, linear TV to streaming. I really enjoyed listening to him. Um, and, and and Crackle, as he said, is always created quality uh, quality originals, and they're continuing to do that. They've made a commitment to create unscripted shows, like a new show called Going for Broke and the World's Smartest Homes documentary series they're doing a his history of gangster rap i'm not sure that's for me but um but they're also doing scripted shows will quality shows there's this thing called uh, the sci-fi thriller called spides and a genre bending thing called safe haven they've got a great model a really smart model for creating those shows efficiently and bringing them to avod and uh, you know as you say this is the flywheel now uh, as people come they find find quality content not just library but quality originals and also what they find is a much better experience the ad load in general is far lower uh, and and as as you said this was one thing that i turned to my panel to ask them about um, and I, I really had, this was a super panel. I really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun to, to talk to the, the, the people 
on on the panel we were talking about ad supported um it was it was a, about avod and fast and yep. um i asked them, and you had uh you had Tubi, oh yeah, yeah i was just about to Digitas get to that. and yeah. whirl on your, yeah, on your session yeah I, I sure did and i was just about to get to that um oh, sorry <laughs> and and um, it was called Fast Plus Avod, the big opportunity. And I asked them, you know, I sort of gave the example of HBO Max, which is the ad, their ad supported tier is four minutes or less. We have NBC with Peacock saying that their ad load is five minutes or less. And these are pretty low numbers. So I asked my panel and there was... There is a lot of disagreement, actually, which is always fun. Uh, Sean Doherty, who is head of a company called Whirl, um, which which helps uh, helps content providers get their channels up on fast services, he seemed to think that the minimum was about three minutes. Uh, he said. It, he said. He was, I loved his quote. He said, "It's a, it's really about the math of all the infrastructure costs. So it's basically it's the do the math thing. And if you do the math." You get about three minutes is kind of the minimum if you want to make any money at all. But right right after him came VP of Global Content Monetization and Strategy at A&E Networks with Sarah Shriver. And she thinks it's between five and seven minutes, which would mean that HBO is really on the low side. And once again, it was, I think it was Natalie Bastian. She's VP of Marketing at Tubi. They keep their ad load right at about five minutes an hour, she said. Um, so that was pretty interesting as well. And, uh, you know, it was just a really good discussion, but it looks like <laughs> it looks like that four minutes that HBO Max is pretty much the minimum, at least from the opinion of my panelists. But I got to tell you, I was thinking about this afterwards, Will, and scarcity drives value right and hbo hbo content is i think widely regarded as one of the most high quality content pools in in the market um maybe hbo can drive simply higher cpms because of that high quality high quality content i mean who wouldn't want to place ads against game of thrones well, uh, having watched all the episodes of Game of Thrones, I can think of some advertisers that might be squeamish about putting their content, adja- their ads adjacent to some of the, some of the shocking content that was on um, Game of Thrones. So uh, I, I might hesitate to agree with you on that one. But I think your general point that the HBO audience is upscale and that the content is highly produced and certainly super premium by any definition makes it an enticing proposition but I don't know if that's enough to get them any higher a effective CPM than any of the other premium providers that are in the market I think a lot of that still comes back to the value of the data and being able to target and how the execution works um, you know it's a topic for another day I think Colin because we both have on our to-do list to give the ad-supported version of HBO Max a spin yep. and see what it really looks like because there's, I think, been a, you know, some confusion out there about how the ads are actually implemented. And I don't think there are actually mid-roll ads or even pre-roll or post-roll ads in uh, any of the traditional HBO shows like Game of Thrones or The Wire right. or Sopranos or anything like that. 
but again, I think we both have to do on our to-do list to actually investigate it. But, um, but yeah, you're just going back to your point about your session. There was some disagreement there in terms of what the minimum ad load needs to be, and uh, you know, I I think it it um, it remains to be seen how aggressive these ad-supported services are going to be. HBO has set a new bar. Are others going to follow them, or are they going to try to resist? Yeah, yeah, and I got to tell you, you know, I've used Peacock. Uh, quite a lot and uh, I I really don't hesitate to start up Peacock now usually I'm very ad averse um, but Peacock the ad load I think is great it's a very very watchable and very enjoyable content and I think they've got the right approach which is trying to pull me up with more content into the next tier um, yep. and, and leaving the ads there there was a couple of other things that I really thought um, came through loud and clear at the conference one was the durability of the linear model. Um, there was just, you know, I was talking about swagger in the ad-supported industry. There's a <laughs> lot of swagger in the fasts. They recognize uh, that they are doing something which consumers continue to want. They want the linear experience. They're very happy sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes to just let those channels play. And uh, I think a lot of them are beginning to think that they could be the new broadcast infrastructure for, for that linear experience. And boy, um, I, I, I would be hard pressed to argue with them on that. The other thing that really came through uh, pretty clear was there was this there was a lot of talk about incremental uh, adding incremental audience. But I really loved the way that a lot of the ad-supported ad providers pushed back and said, no, 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 we're not incremental. We're unduplicated. We can deliver yeah. an, a new audience that you can't reach through traditional mediums. And we mentioned Darren Olive from Crackle Plus. That's exactly what he said. And in fact, he went further. He said, yeah, the people that are watching Crackle Plus... They're not really watching Pluto and Zumo and, and, and yeah. the fasts. They're, they are ours. We're the only way you can reach them. And uh, boy, this is um, very, very aggressive. Fubo and, also said the same thing. Fubo TV. Yeah, also Tube, said the I think same Tubi, thing. and I think Tubi has also said. So I don't know if there are so many discreet viewers out there that no. everybody can have their <laughs> everybody can have their own pool. But I think also worth mentioning on the broader point that. Allison Levin, who runs the ad business at Roku and was interviewed at the CTV Ad Summit, uh, repeated a data point that they have said in the past, which is that 85%, I think the quote is 85% of the Roku channel's audience is unduplicated on linear TV. So that's a pretty big number. And, um, you know, of course, Roku is moving up the content food chain as well by investing in originals, buying the Quibi catalog, et cetera. So, sure yeah, I, I think swagger or swagger, as you pronounced it, is, <laughs> uh, is a very good one-word summary for how the ad-supported ecosystem is feeling these days. And, you know, again, I talk about the flywheel. I think there's ample reason why they should feel that way. And I, I'm going to be talking a lot more about the flywheel Going forward, Colin, I think we're going to be, you know, investigating it from all angles on the Inside the Stream podcast and in some of the interviews that we have coming up as well. I agree. Yeah, we, yeah. We, actually, we are lining up some interviews that are going to go directly at this uh, virtuous cycle, which I think I'm going to continue to call it. Call it. 
<laughs> well, I'm trying to coin a new term. You know, you guys, you're out there with SSB. Alan Woke is out there with uh, coining fast. So I'm trying to coin my know my own thing. I know it's not a catchy acronym acronym like your guys, but CTV <laughs> advertising flywheel. How, yeah. That's a mouthful, but I'm going to keep saying it. Okay. Sounds good. But, but anyway, I think, I But think, I'm not going to say it anymore for today because I think we're out of time. Yeah, I think we pretty much are, Will. But what a great conference. Really enjoyed it. Everybody should Thank stop you. by. Everybody should stop by Will's site. He has... You've already begun to post the videos, I think. First. All the videos. All the videos are available on Video News. And I'm also going to be doing a debrief document with some highlight pull quotes from some of the speakers and summarizing the key takeaways, doing some highlight video clips as well. So... There was just a ton of learning and data and analysis that came out of the conference. Colin, your session was great. You moderated really nicely, as always, So, as did all the other moderators. Um, so, yeah, I'm just really pleased. And I hope that you know folks in the industry come by, take a look, and, and really learn, which is the primary thing that I hope comes out of all of my conferences is industry learning. Yeah, absolutely. And my session was called Fast Plus AVOD Equals Big Opportunity. I think it was on day one early in yep. the day and you can find it right there on Will's site. Please check it out because that question I asked them about ad load, that was a, that was a quick fire answer. There's a ton of more <laughs> really valuable information in that session. But uh, anyway, I guess that's it for this week. All right, Colin, good chatting as always. And thanks again, everybody, for listening in on this week's edition of the Inside the Stream podcast. And we'll see you all again next week.